As Eckhart Tolle said, boredom, anger, sadness, or fear are not yours, not personal. They're conditions of the human mind. They come and go. Nothing that comes and goes is you. Join Sue Jackson every Tuesday at 10 a.m. for Finding Human, a look at the wonder that is the human mind, right here on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and my guest today is John Lightfoot, and our topic is A Single Candle Can Light a Thousand More Without Diminishing Itself. I'm hoping you're going to find this a very fascinating and heartwarming program. I just need to just correct something before we start. At 8 p.m. this Thursday, Richard Shavetzion, who who was on my program from Israel last week, he will be at the Pine Street Shul um, this Thursday night at 8. And I've been informed we actually said that there was no... um, fee, an entrance fee, but actually there is a nominal donation of 30 rand, which includes an Israeli tea. And his <coughs> presentation is on remembrance, how a song survived the Holocaust, traveled the world and returned to the city of its birth. And he tells a personal story of 150 years of a musical journey. It's a video multimedia pres- presentation. And it's this week on Thursday evening at Pine Street Shul. Please book if you want to go. Now, I met my guest, John Lightfoot, and his wife, Aid, through our mutual very good friend, Jenny Prangley, many years ago. John is a true philanthropist, and I have known of the amazing role he plays in many incredible, worthwhile initiatives in Alexander Township. In top of all of this, he gives so much time to Alex. He's a successful businessman and is an accountant by profession. And actually, John, even as an accountant, you still reach out to others because I see you're, you're in the fields of corporate recovery, turnarounds, informal wind-downs, and business rescues. So you, in many ways, you are a philanthropist in all areas of your life. Uh, well, in terms of my career, I'm not sure I'd call it philanthropy. Uh, uh, we do the best we can in difficult circumstances, but it is a it is a business, and uh, it's an, a fascinating and interesting business, particularly in the in modern times when uh, when we're in an, in an economy that is going through a fair amount of financial distress and uh, in business as well. Uh, but I, I think uh, when one looks at the field of philanthropy, I'd look beyond that into. In my particular case, the projects we have in Alex. Mm. The projects you have. But tell me, just in, in the business world, do you fight extra hard to save a business because of seeing the humanness behind? Well, for me, it's, a, it's, it's very personal. I mean, I'm involved in a matter at the moment where uh, a lot of jobs are at stake. And we, we as a company, my partners, myself, and my co-practitioners, we're working very hard at the moment to to say one particular business, um, and 
it's it's not easy, uh, but we are we are doing the we are doing our level best at the moment, and I think the the chances are good. Mm. So you certainly you you are not the sort of person who can put that aside from the emotional involvement of people losing their jobs and what have you. Well, for me personally, it, mm. it is an emotional thing. Mm. I, I've got to admit, uh, you know, in a, in a country of like ours where our economy is in 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 pretty poor shape at the moment. We we need to create jobs and not lose them. Not lose mm. them, mm. absolutely. Mm. Now, John, you are part of something so much greater than you. And there is a saying, you're a part of something greater than something that is simply inside you. Strength does not come from physical capacity. It comes from indomitable will. Now, that's from Mahatma Gandhi. Mm. And I think that this is very true of of you and your foundation which we're going to be talking about the gumboots foundation shortly mm. you will be listening to a youtuber maya angelo and also a lovely song that we we end with now i would like you to tell me a bit about your lightfoot family history well um so we we're we're a big family um by modern standards, I have three siblings. There were four of us. I grew up in the 50s and 60s uh, in the deep, dark days of apartheid. But I must say, during that, we were always conscious that things were not right here. But many of us were armchair protesters. We never went out into the streets. We were ne- never activists. Um, I had a, My parents were good people. My mother was... She demonstrated her activism by by writing angry letters to the newspaper uh, about the, some of the more glaring and atrocious elements of apartheid. Um, my siblings all left the country uh, in the 70s for the reason that they just could not bear living under this leaden, leaden blanket that was apartheid at the time. Um, we were never activists in the in the very extreme sense of the word, and uh, I think in many respects the involvement I have today uh, is to maybe make up for the inactivity and ignorance uh, that we uh, that we felt uh, in those in the, in our growing up years. Mm. And you know, when you say that, it actually moves me because mm. I feel very strongly the mm. same way, quite honestly, mm. that we have a responsibility to to do what what we can mm. to make up for what what would we call it the sins of the fathers. Mm. Just going back to your mom for a moment, mm. your mom Daphne. I spoke to Jenny, our good friend Jenny, and I said, "Tell me a bit about John's mom," and she said, "Oh." She was the most wonderful woman that apparently every Sunday night your mom used to have an open house. Uh, We're going to have to get back to Daphne in a minute. We're just breaking for an ad break. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson and you're back on Finding Human with my guest, uh, John Lightfoot. Now, John, going back to you, and um, I'm interviewing at the moment John Lightfoot, and we are discussing your mom right now. And um, 
John's mom, Daphne, according to Jenny, used to have this amazingly open warm house. Every Sunday evening, they called it the soup and homemade bread night. Do you, do you recall those days with the nostalgia at all? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, my mother was a, a, um, a very important figure in, in our lives. And I think both my father and mother, and we were normal, ordinary, middle-class, white South Africans. But the thing they did instill in us was the importance of family. Mm-hmm. And I think what is, what is of concern to me is our deep and dark past shattered family life for so many South Africans. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think it is one of the legacies we live with. We see it in Alex all the time. Uh, young children growing up without father figures, sometimes without mothers, and have been denied uh, the value of family life. And it's a a great concern to me. It is a concern Mm. because I think a family can carry you through so much. But going back to your family for Mm. a moment, you know, I know you said that they left South Africa, and yet Mm. they remain incredibly involved in South Africa. And especially in gumboots. Now, mm. tell us a bit about their involvement. Tell, can we just actually mention gumboots and what it is so that our mm. people here listening today will know? Well, g- gumboots is an Alexandra Township Focus project. Uh, we support, and I, I, I emphasize support. We, we have, these are not projects that we have, ev- that have evolved through our initiative. They were there before we came. There are three of them. There's uh, the Ratangbana project on the East Bank, which supports some 200 vulnerable children, AIDS affected, either with no parents or granny-headed households, uh, run by an amazing woman called Ingrid Malloy. Uh, we have Peggy Chark here runs the Leratong Preschool, uh, uh, which has uh, approximately 100 and cho- uh, 120 children ages 3 to 6. Also vulnerable children. Uh, all, uh, m- many of them very vulnerable without families. And then we have uh, a completely different project, but also focused on children, the Sagia Sanki Youth Stand, Stand Together uh, Dance Group, uh, started 25 years ago by Jack Litzuelo and his wife, Beauty. And they have... They have uh, Many hundreds of children have passed through that group in the last 25 years. They've learned many types of uh, dancing, pansula, traditional, hip-hop. But not only that, they've learned from Jack the spirit of community, and a lot of them have gone on to do extremely well in life. Mm. And I see, you know, reading Jenny's uh, newsletter, which comes out, the beat uh, Mm. comes out Mm. on Gumboots, I see she says um, that um, Jack says it keeps them off the streets and they come to dance their hearts aches away. And I think that is an amazing thought, you know, that they're able to come and dance and be free for just even a few hours a day. Mm. Wonderful idea. It is. It really is. And, uh, you know, these children dance with such talent and such spirit. It's, it's for me, been one of the most rewarding things to see these young kids ages in their uh, 7 to 8 to 10 growing up in, as teenagers and uh, leaving the group at probably at the age of 18 and going on uh, and starting their own careers. Some, some have done well, some have, done, have not done so well. 
but they always come back. We have events now and again for the alumni of the Sigia Zongi Dance Group, and um, we have great get get togethers. And I think they are all as uh, undoubtedly incredibly grateful to Jack and Beauty for mm-hmm. what they've done to, uh, in their lives. Perhaps it was the the feeling of family and connection mm-hmm. and and getting a sense of self worth. Well, absolutely, and you know, Jack and Beauty, they are one of those. Exceptions where a husband and wife are together. They brought up three, uh, four children, very stable, and but are giving back at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I believe their home is also open to other children who need them well, at vulnerable times in their lives, their yeah, children's well, lives. Beauty has taken in some children, and they 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 live a fairly modest life. Um, They've got a comfortable little home in Alex, but they take in children off the streets who stay there and sleep there from time to time. Mm. Uh, and they, they, are, they are a couple who give. Mm. So if I had to ask you, who are your heroes and heroines, what would you say? Sue, I think quite clearly it's, uh, it's Ingrid and Rutingbana, it's Peggy at Laratong, and it's Jack and Beauty. Um, mm. They are not high-profile heroes. You don't read about them in the press. Um, but they are my heroes. Mm. And it actually makes you emotional, doesn't it, uh, John, just thinking of them as your heroes? Well, it, it does. I, 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 it is emotional. But when I think of what they've done with so little, mm. and they've done so much for so many children in Alex, it's an inspiration. Mm. It's quite amazing. Mm. Now, how, what was the initial concept of gumboots? Um, how did that come about? Well, gumboots started – well, it's a, we live in this interesting world today. I think we always regard the, uh, the young as learning from the old. But in this case, it, it was a question of the old, <laughs> learning <laughs> from the young. Um, gumboots, the concept of gumboots was that of Anthony Prangley, Jenny's son. Yes, I in his, in his early Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's an idealist man and he's a social entrepreneur. And he, he had the, the idea in mind to link the South, South, South African diaspora, mainly youngsters living in London, um, with projects back here in South Africa and to select a number of projects that they could get involved with uh, and start a process where there'd be cross-communication between the projects and and the donors and uh, communicate by way of regular newsletters and keep them in touch with what uh, what is happening in South Africa. And it started, very, it started extremely well. Uh, we uh, began with a large body of donors making up the so-called diaspora, most of them living in, in South London. In Mostly ex-South Africans? Ex-South Africans. Some came back, uh, some stayed, some moved on to other countries. But it's, it, the, the South African diaspora is transient, and we probably never pushed that element hard enough, and it, slowly started to dissipate but it was replaced by a number of quite substantial static donors living in London uh, su- uh, supporting the, the Gumboots uh, initiative in the UK which is an organisation, our sister organisation uh, registered with the UK Charities Commission and uh, uh, so whilst the initial concept uh, uh, 
died to some extent, it was replaced by a much more substantial donor base. How did that come about? Who did Anthony meet that got him into uh, seeing these projects that were already being run? Well, he... (laughs) He went out, he got in his car in his little bucky at the time, and he drove through Alex and looking for, <laughs> looking for projects. And he saw this woman uh, sweeping with a little corn broom outside this little school, and he started talking to her, and it happened to be Peggy Jarkey. Wow, uh, is that so? Mm. I never knew that. And he, uh, how the name Gumboots uh, derived, I don't know. We just like the sound. It's, uh, you know, feet on the ground, boots uh. on the ground. And um, when, we, when he launched locally he said we needed to get it he wanted to get a gumboot dancing group and peggy said she knew of jack and so jack came and danced at the very first event and then suddenly jack's group became a project and then jack also called uh, your group the first malingu um uh, uh, group in south africa the first white gumboots dance he thought uh, yeah well we were these old uh, <laughs> aging geriatrics um hardly uh, <laughs> The Mlungus, or uh, as we called ourselves, the Affirmative Action (laughs) Dancing Group. Um, But um, and then at the UK, you also danced, didn't you? uh, I know Jenny danced and Anthony danced. Yes, yes. Look, but the knees have got a little bit arthritic now, so we don't do as much dancing as uh, we did. But at uh, at um, London South African House, you did the. Dance. Yes, well, the opening for g- Gumboots in the UK in the was UK. at South Africa yeah. House. Wonderful yeah. to mm. hear that Gumboot dancing. Mm. Mm. We're breaking for an advert, and then we've actually got a, a short YouTube by Maya Angelou. There's an African-American song, 19th century, which um, is so great. It says, when it looked like the sun wasn't going to shine anymore, God... Put a rainbow in the clouds. Imagine. And I've had so many rainbows in my clouds. I had a lot of clouds. But I have had so many rainbows. And one of the things I do when I step up on a stage, when I stand up to translate, when I go to teach my classes, when I go to direct a movie, I bring everyone who has ever been kind to me with me. Black, white, Asian, Spanish-speaking, Native American, gay, straight, everybody. I say, come with me. I'm going on the stage. Come with me. I need you now. Long dead. You see? So I don't ever feel I have no help. I've had rainbows in my clouds. And the thing to do, it seems to me, is to prepare yourself so that you can be a rainbow in somebody else's cloud. Somebody who may not look like you, may not call God the same name you call God, if they call God at all, you see? And may not eat the same dishes prepared the way you do, may not dance your dances or speak your language, but be a blessing to somebody. That's what I think. The best part of your day. At the heart of your community. All the talk. All the music. All the news. Hi, FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, back with Finding Human, and my guest, John Lightfoot. John, back to you. You know, that short YouTube for me uh, just shows us how 
if we can just put our differences aside, we can all reach out to one another and actually enjoy the strengths, the weaknesses, the, the, the good and the bad of each of us. We, none of us come perfect, mm. you know, and I think to actually recognize that in one another and mm. see, see the rainbow in, in each other's clouds is such a wonderful thought. And I think that's what you do. And part of your mission, I see, is to empower children through education, through formal education and informal education, and also to make sure that their basic needs of food and shelter and health care and recreation are, are taken mm -hmm. care of. Now, going back to your family, and I know that your, your brother and sister in the UK are very involved with Gumboots UK. So what do they actually do? Well, they do two things. Um, they are, uh, together with their team, are one of the prime sources of uh, donor money that w we get uh, for Gumboot South Africa. Uh, but having said that, uh, they also create the link between the two two projects. Um, they're in touch with uh, their their donor base, and many of them visit South Africa as tourists. And in doing so, they always visit the projects. And I think it then makes their their contributions and financial contribu contributions a lot more meaningful. And they actually see the projects and start to engage with the Jacks and the Beauties and the Peggies, and come to some of the events that we organise. So they, uh, they, their their role is twofold: is to create create the donor project link and also to assist in and uh, providing funding for gumboots. And get personally involved as well, well by the sounds they of it. Do, they do, they do. Uh, different projects, a playground or what Yes, well, my other sister, Liza, runs a, a similar project but focused mainly on raising money for South African projects. Now, she's in the USA, isn't she's she? She's in Madison, Wisconsin, and they bring kids out. Uh, they bring. Uh, she organizes student trips. Uh, she'd done a, a, quite a lot with Cal Poly on the West Coast and Madison University where they brought landscaping and architectural students out who've built playgrounds. They built a playground in Alex at Ruttingbana on the East Bank. Uh, they've worked hard on, a, on projects in the Bavians Kloof down in the Western Cape, uh, b building a campsite for the local community and working on a, uh, on a playground in, in a school in the Bavians Kloof. So... Uh, I'm fortunate. Well, you know, we talk about family. I, I see my family, although they live all over the world. I see them at least twice or three times a year, and they're passionate about coming back here, and they do. And you're also, you're all passionate about actually doing making a difference in South Africa, aren't you? Yes, we are. I look, it's small. I, I don't want to overstate what we do. We do as much we can. And I think at the same time, it, it's occurred to me, there are so many small NGOs operating throughout our country. Uh, together, they create an enormous uh, energy and initiative. And I don't think we, you know, although we are small, we are part of a, a group of many NGOs who are, have the same goal in mind, is to make this country the sort of country we, we all want to live in and we want our children to grow up in. That, that is so mm. true, mm. quite honestly what you say. Mm -hmm. um, now, I know that uh, you, you say that she brings, uh, your sister brings students here as well. What do you feel they get from, from this project? 
Well, they, they're all American students. Uh, Are they rat- do they go to Laratong, the nursery school, or Ratabana? They, 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 they go to all the projects. Oh, they do? Yeah, they mm-hmm. work uh, on occasions. They work at the projects. I mean, the playground that was built, so beautiful, was built by these landscape art- architecture students. But, um, and they combine that with recreational time. They see the country. Their eyes are opened. A lot of them have come back subsequently. To live here? Uh, not to live here, but they have to visit. visit. Mm-hmm. To visit. And um, I, I think it's opened their eyes to other parts of the world because I think in America sometimes people are a little bit insular. Mm. You know, mm. Beyond America, there's no, no world out there. Mm. So do you feel that it gives them a purpose in their lives being here? Well, I think it's, it's meaningful uh, to them. I, I think it's been in, incredibly meaningful for them, and they've done a lot for us. And they're all delightful students. We've had great times with them. Mm. That's, that's mm. fantastic. Yeah. Now, I know that um, you have – successes and disappointments mm. obviously mm. um as as i think that's that's life mm. we have successes and disappointments but tell me a few of your success stories of of students who have gone through uh whether it's Leritong, um mm. whatever they're going whichever yeah. is a section they're going through yeah. jacks Gumboots. Yeah, well, Jack, uh, his daughter, Delacili, who we've supported and has also been supported by the uh, Katie Family Charitable Corp., which I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, Delhi's gone to hotel school. Uh, she's now a senior receptionist at the Maslow Hotel in Santon and now in Menlin. Mm. And um, her passion is hospitality, and I think she's, she's, re- uh, she's got a great career ahead of her. We've had Nomsa Maguai who w- wanted to do medicine and physiotherapy originally, um, but went into uh, – she never got a university uh, entrance, but she's done paramedic. She's now a fully qualified paramedic and works for the Gauteng uh, Health Department, mm. um, passionate about what she does. Um, and then, then a number of others similar. We, at the same time, we've had some disappointments, and it's inevitable with children growing up so deprived with so little family support, trying to study in in a shack where there's loud music playing and kids running around. It's cold in winter and hot in summer. Uh, some of them haven't, haven't made the grade. Um, but, you know, I think that was to be expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've we had some disappointments with the community center we wanted to build in Marlborough. Uh, we had a building, we had an offer t- uh, to purchase that had been accepted, and we were already beginning to upgrade the building, and then we got invaded by squatters and became political, and the place was invaded by 50 people mm-hmm. in the end, having spent quite a bit of money on it. And then it sadly burnt down through bad electrical connections, and there was some a young child died. Two others died, and and so that was a bit disappointment. But I mentioned earlier the Cady Family Charitable Corp, Moss Cady. Tell me about Moss Cady. Moss Cady is an ex-South African, uh, lives in Toronto, has become a philanthropist. Is he a friend of yours? Was he a friend? Or is no, he? he's a close friend. Um, he's supported. He's put a lot of money into the projects in Alex. He's got. He supported a home called the Cady. Katie Home, which supports uh, 14 young children who were orphaned. Um, he's put money into the Leratong Preschool, and he's also put a lot of funding into the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital. Um, uh, so his contribution has, uh, to Alex has been invaluable. 
That's amazing. Mm. Does he follow the progress of the students oh, in, yeah. in the he's, Catalan? He's very involved. He comes back. They, uh, the children in the home are almost like his kids. Oh. Um, and his w- w- wife, Favette, is also very involved. Um, and we are currently planning to build a community center in Marlborough to replace the one that we lost. Uh, it's still uh, uh, on the drawing board. It's not definitely going to happen, but we're optimistic that it will. Mm. Do you know? Do you ever feel despair when you know when you say that that burnt down and it was the squatters who came in and they actually the, inadvertently caused the fire and you lost that? Mm. Do you sometimes feel despair and wonder how you know if it's worth going on? Well, I might have in years gone by, but when I see the energy of Jack and Beauty, who had so many setbacks. And they live in a very difficult society. It's a, it's a society full of contradictions, huge energy, a lot of poverty, a lot of crime, far more crime in Alex than we have in the, in the leafy suburbs of uh, northern suburbs of Joburg. Uh, they don't despair. They carry on. Hmm. And um, uh, Are they role models they to are, you of carrying are, on? They are, absolutely. Mm. Because, you know, I was thinking, and I actually mentioned to you, that I know a lot of your volunteers, well, quite a few of your volunteers, um, have also been hit by the crime in, in our mm. country, mm. And, and yet they also uh, re, re-energize themselves and go back in, or whether mm. it's been out of Alex or in Alex, mm. you know, quite a few of them have, have suffered setbacks like that, haven't they, your volunteers? Um, they have. Uh, but that's the country we live in. I think uh, it's hard to explain it, but I think if you understand the reasons and the sources of our crime in this country, um, it, it's a little easier to deal with. You know, and a lot of our crime is, part, is, is our history catching up with us. Mm-hmm. Um, broken families, it goes right back to the migrant labor system going back 100 years, and that set in, in, in a chain reaction in, uh, in, uh, which we are still dealing with today. And that, that's one of my sort of anecdotal mm-hmm. assessments mm-hmm. of one of the problems. But the crime is real, and I think we cannot pretend this is a safe country. It's dangerous in many respects, but uh, um, I think we need to deal with the causes and the sources. I mean, crime prevention and policing is, is vital and and the justice system is not always functional. No, and the corruption. And the corruption. But I think we need also to get back to the sources of it. These are deep, mm. deep social problems that we have. I, I, you know, just talking from my own uh, personal perspective, um, I, had, I too have, have faced the crime and, mm. um, and wondered would I would stay, if I'd stay or not, but stay here or not. But... I, I think I'm similar to you in many ways. I feel mm. a great responsibility towards this country. Mm. And um, it's part of my value system, quite honestly, to, yeah. to be here and try and make a different where, difference, whether it's only through words. Mm. You know, you were saying to me earlier about we go into a, a shopping center and we go up to the till. Now, we know nothing about the person there. Just mm. say what you were telling me because it made such sense. About the different lives. Well, I think, I think, you know, this country, we talk about the rainbow nation, and I think there are areas we, we do have a rainbow nation, parts of it. But we're still a very deeply polarized and deeply un, 
an equal society. And you can visit parts of South Africa where the, where the rainbow nation seems a complete illusion. It's mm. not there. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, very often I, I, uh, if I have some concern, I feel particularly in white society there's an element of disengagement. We've, we have emigrated in different ways. We've emigrated behind high walls and security fences. And we, we, deal in, we work in offices where people uh, from the other side of the track, from Alex, work. We see them in restaurants, waiters, pub, petrol pump attendants, co-office workers. Many of them are living in Alex in very, very difficult circumstances. And we only see them in our comfortable offices and in the restaurants and the forecourts of the, of the gas stations. Uh, and I think there needs to be more engagement and understand where people come from and understand the, the hurt that uh, apartheid and racism have, has, has, has caused in this country, to see it from the other point of view. Mm. And it's it's uh, the, that hurt mm. is across the board through mm. all, in all of us. I think we've all been damaged by it, yes. uh, severely damaged, quite mm. honestly, mm. in it. Uh, you know, on that note, I actually just want to bring up my mom because, you know, we were talking about whether people are afraid to go into Alex, and a lot of people are afraid to go mm. into Alex. And um, my mom was 90 at the time, and she passed away short a few years after that. But um, you were having a choir uh, singing in, in Alex. At It was almost like a shack, but you told me that you actually wanted it to be a national monument that where we were that day. Do you remember that time? I do. I'd remember it well. And that building, it's in, I think it's in, in 8th Avenue uh, in Alex. It's a little tin. It was a little tin sh- shed, but it uh, became a church. And the Sagir's Honky Dance Group started in that building. In it's a rusty building. It's still standing. It leaks like anything. It leaks holes like anything. Yeah. But it's been there for years, and it, and so many organisations, choirs, churches, dance groups have passed through that. It really is. Deserving of 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 heritage heritage status, it needs a round blue plaque. It Mm. definitely does. Mm. But you know what? I still have this image of my mom. Jen and I were standing in the road, um, which was very potholed road, and we were waiting for I think perhaps you. And um, my mom, who was only five foot tall, I suddenly heard this cooey cooey sue, and I looked up, and there were these two very large men. the, the one told me he was a Zulu, mm. a very large, and I'll go on with my story in a map. Stay relevant and up to date. This is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is John Lightfoot. If you would like to SMS us, you can at 345 one nine. If you've got any questions for us or any comments. Now, I'm just going back to the story about my mom who visited Alex to come and listen to the choir singing in this little, almost like a shack. It was leaking. It was freezing cold, by the way. It was winter at the time. I remember that. And I suddenly heard my mom say, Sue, Sue, cooey, cooey. And there she was being lifted off her feet by these two. As I say, the one man said he was a Zulu. They both looked like Zulu warriors, big, big strong men. Lifted her right off her feet. The one had her handbag slung over his shoulder. 
and she was being lifted over a, a big stone, like a, almost like a boulder step into this room. And she said, I'm just going inside. See you shortly. And in she went. And afterwards, it was the most beautiful um, afternoon. And afterwards, we all danced down the streets of, of Alex with my mom leading it with her two warriors. <laughs> do you remember that? I do. Your mom was a wonderful character. <laughs> you know, my mom was one of the people that her values definitely did, did live on, hopefully, that uh, in my grandchildren as well, that she, she didn't see color. She didn't see race she didn't see religion she saw people and and just loved people and at at 90 to go in and dance down the streets i think was pretty marvelous now john going back to gumboots what you know and uh, thinking about does the buck stop with you when things don't go right no not at all not at all um you know those projects that we support in alex were there before we came onto the scene. Uh, if for any reason, I don't ever think it'll happen, but if for any reason we were to leave, they would carry on. Mm. They are resourceful, energetic, talented, wonderful people. Mm. And it sounds as though all of you together, all of those people who started the projects mm. and all of you working there, Actually, you know that that quote: uh, If you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach him how to fish, you you feed him for a lifetime. That, that's what you're actually all about. There, you're teaching skills, life skills, uh, mm. to actually take forward into life. I think that that is our prime objective. Mm. Um, but overriding that is the educational element. But I mean, if, if you look at Jack's dance group. In many respects, as the life skills and disciplines, it's part of the, the children's education, aside from the formal education we are trying to assist with. So there are values coming in there and connections, mm. which will carry those children through. And as you say, there are successes and there are mm. disappointments. Mm. Tell me about uh, Caitlin School. Well, the, the Caitlin Fund is it's a fund with Gumboots Foundation. It's um, started by a friend of ours called Mark Green, who tragically lost a daughter some years ago to a debilitating disease. She had also lost a child many years before from, from cancer. And um, in memory of her two children, uh, Mark started the Caitlin Fund, and off her own initiative, she's raised money. Uh, she's, some of that, uh, those funds have come in directly into Gumboots for some of our Gumboots projects, but she's also supported the education of two young girls in Natal uh, the, um, at school and at Rhodes University. One is qualified now and is um, doing incredibly well and has a great future ahead of her. Uh, so Margs also is an ex-South South, South African. Uh, has very close ties here and comes back regularly and is very involved with all our projects. Mm. And then what, what, how do you pronounce the Fitoho Pato- uh, education project? Patoho. Yeah, yeah. Patoho. Uh, Patoho is really all about education. Uh, we've set it up as a separate project from the other three projects because it's focused. We, we draw on children within the three projects and sometimes from without. And it's uh, to assist with education, and that's education at both primary, high school, and tertiary. Um, a very difficult project to run in terms of selection 
because who to select with when you have limited funding, who to select and who not to select. Uh, we've run a, a selection program for, for young children um, at primary school, and there again we had some successes and failures. Children we thought uh, who were assessed and we thought would do well didn't, others have. Uh, but that's just the way it goes. And But generally it's been a successful program. We've uh, supported children at university. Uh, we've got two two youngsters at university who are doing well. Uh, one has just graduated. and um, But again, there is such a, a huge need for educational support. And if if we were asked, you know, where who would wish to contribute to Gumboots, it would be in the field of education, and maybe on the adopt a child formula where you would engage and with a particular child that you are supporting to know how they were doing and to get to know them personally and take them through school. Yes, mm-hmm. mm. that's that's actually mm. a, a very good idea mm. and. You know, to actually be able to come in and meet with them and and engage with them. Um, How could, you know, I just want to tell anyone who actually is listening to us today that this is an incredible uh, organization, Gumboots. It is so well uh, controlled. You know, so often we are a bit skeptical about handing over funds to to NGOs and, and, uh, and actually helping. But I can assure you that this is unbelievably well controlled and there's certainly no misappropriation of funds here. Mm. Um, everything goes towards these projects. Mm. Just tell me about you yourself actually fostered a, a young child, didn't you? What's what's her name? Tatu uh, Hatsi. Tatu. Tatu. Now she's very fussy about the way you mentioned. Absolutely. You can't call her Tatu. It's Tatu. Tatu. Okay. We've known Tatu since she was three she'd sadly lost both her parents um at a very young age and was adopted by peggy initially and then by an aunt we've assisted with her education right the way through primary school and high school she's writing matric in a few months time Mm. we're just optimistic that she's going to do quite well Uh, uh, she's a delightful character she's grown into a lovely young woman so Mm. what has she brought into your life um She's brought a lot. She's brought uh, all, all the phases that one goes through with bringing up young children. Uh, she was a delightful young child. She was a difficult teenager at one stage. She's grown through that now, and she's <laughs> become a mature young woman, and we're very optimistic. So she's, she's given us a lot. So you're proud of her? I am proud of her, absolutely. And your children, your daughters, are they close to her? Yes, they are. Um, I think they both are her role models. Uh, she looks up to both of them, and um, they've had uh, they've been involved with her since she was a tiny little thing. Hmm, that's so lovely. Hmm. Hmm. Now, tell me about Ingrid because Ingrid's also one of your people that you would call uh, a hero. Tell yeah. me, tell me what Ingrid actually does. Well, Ingrid started. Um, she worked for a, a big NGO called Friends for Life, and then decided she wanted to do her own thing and to support children. Is she a social worker? She's a trained social worker. Uh, she started in a little back room down in Alex, uh, uh, um, arranging food parcels for children. Was she herself brought up in Alex? Uh, she was brought up in Alex. Uh, I think she has a strong family association in the Free State and the Bethlehem area. Um, 
she's had a f- few of her own health problems, which she's dealt with incredibly courageously. And um, uh, we also <laughs> very, very energetic and demanding. <laughs> um, she demanded of Eskim that they give her space to work under uh, some old power lines on the east bank of Alex. It was barren ground, and we started a food garden there. We've got a learning center there now. The food garden flourishes. 200 kids come regularly for their food parcels. Um, They uh, play in the playground. There's a learning center there. And um, that that is really through incredible resourcefulness uh, of Ingrid. That's amazing. Mm, yeah. Does she do your basic skills training? Is she part of that? No, no. We brought in outsiders generally to, to, to do that, to assist with IT training. We've got a number of computers and a learning center Would there. Would this be at Leritong or, or No, where? this is at Ratangbana up on okay. East Bank. We have a learning center, a small computer center at, uh, in the KD home. It's well equipped with computers and internet, uh, but that's used primarily by the children in the home. Mm. The the orphans mm. yes. in the home. Yeah. Okay, so um, the 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 your basic skills training. Who actually does the training then? We've had volunteers uh, who come from time to time. Mm. Okay, yeah. we'll go back to you in a minute. A frequency like no other. One hundred one point nine High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and I'm with John Lightfoot, and we're discussing Gumboots Foundation. Now, John, I'm hoping that people who are listening in will want to actually help in whatever way they can. How can they contact you? What is the best method of contacting you? Well, they can contact me on my cell phone, mm-hmm. which is 083-449-5803, or on my email at john at Gumboots. .org.za or Jenny at Jenny at gumboots.org.za And then I see also that if you're listening in the UK we um, we have quite a few vis- uh, listeners in London, you can contact www.gumboots.org.uk and your South African address is www.gumboots.sa.org.za Yes mm. And you know what? They, whatever help anyone can give would be wonderful. I see you also do uh, Santa boxes. Mm. So there's always something. And, and I think mostly you would really like volunteers to in some way come and help. What, what is the main? Well, we would lo- we'd love to get more volunteers and with a, with a main focus on building relationships and particularly one-on-one relationships with a donor and a particular child who needs support. Uh, the challenge is, uh, obviously, it's not always easy for people to come into Alex. I might be a little bit nervous. But we're always available to set up communication lines, either through Internet, through telephone calls, and through visits. Um, you know, we, we take the children out of Alex quite often to, uh, to various events. We meet at, um, uh, on occasions in the, in the parks around Johannesburg and have events from time to time. So there are plenty of uh, 
ways in which we can build this communication. And also, uh, I see with Jack's dance group that they were taken to the ballet, mm. and they loved that. So anyone uh, who is actually doing um, a cultural thing to actually think of gumboots and uh, one of their their many um, projects to get hold of them. I must just add that my daughter Caroline and I went in with Jenny to Laratong preschool and we're incredibly impressed with it really there were so many little children and all with these bright faces and i just thought you know they're in a safe environment there how important if we can offer them that um craig is actually telling me that i'm going to have to to wrap up john what would you like to end by saying well sue i must thank you for for engaging with us and I hope that um, what we've had to say today is of interest to your listeners we'd love some support uh, and in whatever form it may come whether it's donations or voluntary work um, we'd welcome it I'd just like to reiterate one thing is that as a voluntary organization the donations we get go fully to the projects I think the only overhead we have in a year is our bank charges and the cost of printing the odd newsletter. Other than that, every every cent that is donated ends up at a project, and we account we will account for it. That's and and I can really vouch for that. I think it's fantastic. Thank you so much, John, for for being on my show and for giving of your time. When I know that you're incredibly busy with this very big business project. And I really appreciate the fact that you came on to my show today. So thank it's been you a so pleasure, much. and thank you. Thank you. And my, give, my, give my best to aid your wife, Aid. I actually didn't even mention how, how, how much she helps. 